Hello and welcome to this week's episode of From the Gravel Chat Podcast. I'm Josh Chambers. And I'm James Stanley. And on today's episode, we're going to have a little review of the three World Superbike races from Aragon. Then we're going to go into our predictions for this week's races at Estoril. Then we're going to move on to a little bit of MotoGP news. And then the predictions for the three races at Mugello. Yes, an absolutely uh, massive week in racing back-to-back superbikes and a return for the MotoGP after being off a week. Uh, so a lot to get to in this episode. And of course, this episode supported by Beyond Motorsport, the only organisation offering career transition support for the motorsport community. Uh, so we'll uh, take a look at the World Superbike races first. It was a, a really sort of uh, a weekend of two halves, as they say. Um, the the first race, it was dry, very Spanish weather, Aragon-esque. Um, and then moving into the, the two uh, races on the Sunday, very mixed conditions. So what did you make of race one then, James? Um, like you said, t- uh, typical Aragon conditions, hot, warm. I was surprised by how dominant the Kawasaki's were if you got it. they both had great starts and then they just pulled away from the rest of the field exactly I the first note I have down is great start Kawasaki's that's um, exactly that's exactly what I've got <laughs> <laughs> and we we didn't really talk much uh, about Alex Lowe's um the week before but just showing how good that bike is but also how much of a quality rider is he he didn't uh, let Ray go at the beginning, uh, Ray pulling out a bit at the end um, of the race, but a great showing from Alex Lowe's across the weekend, generally. Yeah, get across all three races, like you said, he was really, really good, really showed good racecraft as well in some battles, especially in this first race with Top Rack. Yeah, yeah, and Top Rack showing, you know, <laughs> the, the potential we thought he would have, but really showing... What uh, what the Yamaha the Yamaha could do across the weekend as well with his uh, his rookie teammate Locatelli sort of down around the top ten. Yeah, it's actually surprised because Toprak said himself he's not looking forward to this race because the Yamaha's never worked historically good at Aragon. So to see it working good this weekend bodes well for them. It just let's just hope they haven't obviously fixed what this problem was, but let's hope it hasn't gone to a negative effect at the tracks they were already good at. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Estoril, the round coming up, was where Top Rack was really dominant last year. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that. Um, to- the the race not without its moments for, for Top Rack either, pushing Chaz Davis wider. Yeah, in the-, yeah the the soft soft tyre for both him and Chaz really did pay off at the beginning, but I think it did hinder them in those last few laps when Lowe's and Reading were both attacking. They just, I don't think they just had quite the tyre to be able to fend them off. No, and Scott Redding as well. They 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 questioned some of the decisions of, of Ducati across the week, um, especially in the first two races. In this one, not going with the new compound tyre like most of the other guys, um, but still managing to come home in fourth for Scott. Yeah, well, I don't think you can put too much negatives on, this, on the sprint race. It was very, very tough conditions to pick a tyre it's just one of those that just happens but yeah I do think that was a mistake in race one not going for the the newer tyre exactly and also going uh, as we said about the uh, the manufacturers um, 
a really good thing across the whole weekend that will across all three races. BMW are back. Yeah, it was, it was great to see because I haven't been up there for a while. And I was a bit surprised when Vandermark went to them because looking at it on paper for the last few years, it, you could say it's a bit of a backward step, but obviously they showed him like a package they believed in and obviously it looks like it's paying off. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so the the first race, the well, the the only manufacturer really not doing so well in that first first race was Honda. Um, Mercado won the the customer uh, Honda out uh, on lap ten, and uh, Bautista crashing out towards the end of the race. And I, I actually saw that coming. I hate to say it, <laughs> but I thought he's pushing, he's pushing, he's pushing. He's going yeah. to go down in a minute. And I'm just glad he didn't take anyone else with him. Yeah, down on the first corner of the last lap. But there's, there's, there's actually a lot of technical problems because you had Rabat go with, like, near the beginning with a technical, like you said, Mercado with a technical. And you had a couple others in there as well. You had Lavender yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Was, I think there was like four Cabaret. or five. Yeah, I think there was four or five technical issues. And then, yeah, Cavalieri gone out on the Kawasaki, and also uh, the only BMW seemingly not getting into the new trend, Eugene Laverty, who didn't even have a point scoring finish across the weekend. Yeah, it was a tough weekend for Eugene. It was a, as we said, a, a dominant 100th win in the World Superbike class for Johnny Ray. I mean, what an incredible feat that was. Yeah, it is a remarkable, remarkable achievement. Like, like he's said himself, like some of the records that you got to take with a pinch of salt. Now there's three races over a weekend compared to when there wasn't, but still to get a hundred wins is incredible. Yeah, very, very impressive. As we said, um, pulled out a bit at the end to get that dominant win, but sort of second to fifth, so close uh, towards the end of that race. Yeah, it, it was a great battle. It was it's it's what we was kind of hoping for from the beginning. If Top Rack wouldn't have, what's your opinion on the in this Super Bowl? Do you think he should have got his lap taken off him? I think he was very harsh, very harsh. Whitten wasn't too happy. No, no, and I do have to. He he gained no advantage from touching a white line on a straight. It's not like he, you know, he was going over track limits coming out of a corner and gaining that advantage from a wide line. He he's literally I, just touched the white line on the edge of the track. I I do agree, but at the same time, it's like you've got the track limits. There's, there was no need to go on the green, so I don't know why he did it. It's like it could have easily been avoided. I I I, I can see why they've done it because he's obviously exceeded track limits. Well, the, obviously yeah, um, he hasn't gained. <laughs> no, limits, we've said before that in in the MotoGP classes with this kind of thing that it's it's a black and white rule, isn't it? You you've You've exceeded yeah. the track limit. That's it. Yeah. Because uh, then if you start bringing in, well, he didn't gain time, then where does that yeah. go? Because you can't really time everyone and then compare it to a previous lap or anything. It's just got to be you're either on the track or you're not. Yeah. And it's where does it, then it becomes personal judgment, doesn't it? And then we're in a, a whole minefield there. Yeah. And you don't want it to leave it down to someone's opinion. It's better than no. black and white. Everyone's Absolutely. playing the same game. But... So just looking at the results of that that race one, obviously uh, Johnny Ray with the win, Alex Lowe's second, uh, Top Rack coming in third, 
showing uh, the promise that he had. Scott Redding recovering to a fourth place. Uh, and it was uh, so close between uh, the, the top five, as we said, with Chaz Davis, who always seems to go well at this track, coming in fifth. Yeah, you, like you said, they called him basically... They basically called him um, Mr. Aragon before the race because I think he wasn't he leading at the most wins in the Superbike at Aragon before, obviously, <laughs> Ray got his double. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just really good to see how close it was. Again, in the sprint race, as we said earlier, mixed conditions. Um, and it was really a, a close sort of race again to start with. Yeah, because you had Ray going out on the inters and Scott out on the full wets. And that you could see there was battling from the start. <laughs> Ray was quite lucky to stay on going, I think it was through the reverse corkscrew and he caught the back of Scott. Yeah, on lap one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very lucky to stay on there. But so many different tyre choices catching people out, like uh, Luca Mahias crashing on, on lap one because he was out there on slicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the slick choice paid off for Vandermark in the end because he was really quick towards the end. He was the the pace unbelievable for Vandermark uh, finishing in fifth uh, in that race. But if the race had been a, a full length race, he'd have won. Yeah, exactly. A bit, a bit like um, in race two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the, talking to the tire choices, Reading absolutely furious at, at the tire choice of. A full wet. You could physically see his frustration on the bike. Yeah, it was, I think it was even on lap two, wasn't it? You saw him. I think he's coming out of turn, coming towards the reverse corkscrew. You saw him coming out of the tight right, and he was like shaking his head, and you could see how frustrated he was because he he knew then he it was essentially game over because he just could, could barely stop the bike. Had struggling for traction on the way out. It it, it, it was. Luckily for him, it was only the sprint race in terms of points and distance. Well, yeah, because he, he he did finish eighth in the end, but you've got to believe that he was he was going to drop back even further than that. Yeah, certainly, if, especially if it was a full race, he would have been probably outside the top fifteen. Yeah, exactly. And what I found really interesting was when they went back into Park Verme. I don't know if you've seen the videos of this on social media. Johnny Ray and Alex Lowe's discussing how neither of them had ever ridden on an intermediate tire before. No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> Just discussing it and then being like, yeah, it was all right, actually. Yeah, I might, might do that again, <laughs> which they did <laughs> yes, uh, going did. into the second race. Uh, that race, again, uh, won by Johnny Ray. Alex Lowe's again in second place. Um, and a really good podium for one of our podium picks, Garrett Gerloff, but coming uh, not when we expected it to. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it in the Super Bowl. We had him in the in the second race, so at least at least we were close. That's, that's the tough thing with super bikes. You can get a, you can get three perfect podiums just in the wrong order and get yeah. nothing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was really good to see Gerloff up there. Um, a ninth in the the first race which I thought was a, a bit sort of off the pace for him um, but recovering for that podium in the in the sprint race which was really good to see. Uh, fourth was Chaz Davis improving on his race one and Michael Vandermark as we said with that pace coming in fifth. Yeah. It was a, it was a good, it was a, definitely a good Super Bowl race. Just a shame. Wonder, wonder what it would have been like if Scott would have picked the Inters over the four wets. Yeah, it was a little bit more of sort of the promise that we've we've seen 
uh, from coming into this championship um, and race two, perhaps even more so. Uh, the mixed conditions of, of race two, um, again, but, uh, you know, we had all, all tyre confusion at the start of that one with Michael Ruben Rinaldi coming in after the warm-up lap to change tyres. Yeah, obviously thought that's going to be the best chance of finishing as high as he could. I think he switched. I think he switched on to the full slicks, especially once he obviously already knew Reading was on. And after the sighting lap, he's like, he's definitely knew he made the wrong decision and switched on to the different tyres. But I was really disappointed with him over the entire weekend, only picking up nine points from the three races. Yeah, two non-point scoring finishes in the sprint race and the second race and a seventh place uh, in race one. Not the start that we expected from the newly uh, appointed factory Ducati rider when, you know, the person he replaced, Chaz Davis, um, had, you know, just that, just off the podium with fifth and fourth places. Um, unfortunately, Chaz sliding off on, on lap one in this race. Yeah, um I'm not sure what tyres he was on. It could have just—I think he could have just been a normal crash. I don't think he was on slicks, but I think he didn't. He pretty sure he came into the pits and then went on to slicks, didn't he? Yeah, he he came in. There was the the sort of uh, the seat fairing of the bike yeah. coming off and uh, able to remount. He did go out and finish the race, but unfortunately not in a, a point scoring position, finishing nineteenth in that one. Um, but. Uh, you know, he, he got out there, he got the bike back, but just unlucky for Chaz on that one. Uh, someone else who was very lucky in the race, Johnny Ray on lap three. Uh, Garrett Gerloff taking a lunge to the inside. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a mental move. But look at, looking at it, it doesn't look like at any point before he goes onto the brakes, he's going to make the move. I'm not sure if it's obviously because of, because there's a very small dry line. He doesn't really want to be on the wet stuff. He doesn't want to be looking up the inside too early. But it kind of looked like he didn't, exp- or he just outbroke himself and just went, just took the op, took like the optimistic route of just, well, I might as well go for it. Yeah, there was no way uh, Johnny Ray could see him. Garrett Gerloff uh, dropping the bike, and Johnny Ray. I have no idea how he stayed on. He just sort of held on to the gas and went dirt trekking. Yeah, just put all the weight over the rear tyre and just open throttle. <laughs> and and it's it so lucky, to Johnny Ray going across and, you know, he ended up in front of the pack still, but dropping back so that he, he didn't make up any time from having to cut across the gravel. Yeah, just that's a great like, race in mind, just to even think about it in that sense. Like, you've just nearly been taken out. You've just managed to stay on going through the gravel and you got onto the track and you think, oh, just in case I get a penalty, I'll let a couple of people pass. It just shows how much he's able to think while still riding remarkably quick. It shows how yeah. talented all these people are, really. Absolutely. The analytical mind. And he sort of dropped back to it. I think it was about fourth or fifth. Um, and he, he sort of took a few laps to settle himself down and, and recompose himself and then worked his way back through the group of riders again. Yeah. Someone else who made it through the group a bit quicker than him. Thanks to the slick tyres, Scott Redding, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, by that point, Scott had checked out. And I don't think, I, I do think that regardless of that incident between Gerloff and, and Johnny Ray, Scott Redding would have won that race because of that tyre choice. Yeah, he would have won it by a mile, no matter what. 
it's just a it's a sh- it's a shame girl off crashed, but I'm just glad that he didn't take anyone out out. Yeah, yeah. As we said, Ray very lucky, and and Garrett Gerloff did remount. He did finish seventh in the race in the end, and the, the top <laughs> independent rider in the end after just pipping Jonas Folger coming out the last corner. Yeah, and he had the long lap penalty thrown in there as well. Yes. So after that incident between Garrett Gerloff and Kelly Ray, we actually had a piece of history, which was the first ever long lap penalty in World Superbike. So you know he can always have that to his name. <laughs> yeah. And still finishing the points. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, a, a good close race, sort of uh, for third place. The people we expected to to sort of be around there, perhaps. But Tom Sykes, another great showing. Him and uh, Michael Vandermark finishing fourth and fifth on the BMWs in this race. Yeah, it was a good little battle, wasn't it? Between I think it was the four of them, was it, well, five of them if you include Ray before he. Pulled away slightly with top rack Vandermark, Sykes and Lowe's. It was, yeah. it was a it was what it's it's just great to see the three different manufacturers all all battling out for that final podium position. It's it's what we've missed in our table super the last few years. Is having it would have been really interesting to see from my point of view just what would have happened if it hadn't been for the mixed conditions? Would anyone have been able to take it to to Johnny Ray and, you know, and Alex Lowe's in, in terms of the Kawasaki dominance? Yeah, it's a shame we only had that one look at it and even that was a bit, there was a, bit, a few different tyre choices that played an impact on the race. Really, really interesting going uh, this weekend. Uh, the race was up for that one, as we said, pulling away on those slick tyres for a good win over Johnny Ray. Third place Lowe's, a fourth for Tom Sykes followed by his BMW teammate Michael Vandermark in fifth. Um, and just the, the, the battle behind uh, Top Rack, Rasgato Oglu, um, Garrett Gerloff and as we said, Jonas Folger, his only point scoring uh, finish of the weekend in eighth but a, a jump up sort of of promise for, for Folger as we, we saw in testing. Yeah, I was not quite as high as you predicted him to be, but it was still a very, very good ride for Jonas Folger. Good to see him back uh, racing competitively. Definitely, because really like Folger. He's, he's, he's been through a lot, so it's nice to see him back. Yeah, and uh, the championship, Johnny Ray leading the championship with those uh, two first second place. 12 points over his teammate Alex Lowe's, who himself had three podiums for the weekend and third in the championship. Just 17 points back at the moment is Scott Redding on the Ducati on a weekend where a bit of damage limitation in the middle there. Yeah, definitely damage limitation. He had some quite big, quite, quite a few issues. So to only be 17 points back isn't that bad. Yeah, and very, very early days. I will say one thing about the race. We've talked a lot about Garrett Gerloff and Johnny Ray in that race. But uh, as I said, Garrett Gerloff was the top independent rider. And what was really great to see was in part Ferme at the end of the race, Garrett going up to Johnny Ray and saying, I'm really sorry. That was my <laughs> fault. I really messed it up. But also Johnny Ray responding and saying, don't worry about it. I've done it before. Yeah, well, the both class acts, especially Johnny Ray. So... I would expect nothing nothing less from them. Yes, gone of the days of Carl Fogarty and uh, Pierre Francesco <laughs> Keeley having a fight in the uh, in pit lane <laughs> afterwards. 
Um, but uh, really, really good to see the the professionalism of, of both guys and a really good weekend of racing. Yeah, and it and it's looking looking up this weekend like it's going to be another one with two great tracks ahead of us. I love Astro, obviously Magello. Just looking at our predictions uh, for the World Superbike, our first predictions for the World Superbike season, of course. And uh, I hate to say it, but you've beaten me again. Ooh, I never knew that. Uh, you, <laughs> I didn't you think beat I did. me by two points. So we both got one point for Johnny Ray getting on the podium uh, in race one. In the sprint race, we both got two points each for Johnny Ray winning the sprint race. Um, however, in race two, I said Johnny Ray was going to win and Scott Redding was going to be second. So I only got a point each for those, whereas you got it spot on with Reading winning and Johnny Ray second. So you beat me by the two points you get from that. It's just a shame none of us really picked lows. I feel like we did underestimate him a bit. <laughs> yeah, massively looking at that. Moving on to sort of Estoril this weekend. Um, it was a, an interesting uh, time when they went there for the first time in uh, quite a few years uh, last year. Uh, so who are you looking at? for this weekend at Estoril? Um, obviously, I'm looking looking towards Toprak to carry on some special things that he did last time out there. Okay, so your race one podium is? Um, Toprak taking the win. Second okay. place, I've gone Scott Redding. Okay. And actually in third, I've gone Garrett Gerloff. So no Kawasaki's. Wow. So uh, it was a bit of a struggle for Johnny Ray there last year at Estoril, especially in the second race with a a few things going wrong, a 14th place. But even for his form in the first race last year, he came fourth and then the sprint race fifth, which we know for Johnny is off the pace. Um, But interesting that you've got no Kawasaki's on the podium. Yeah. What about yourself? I've also gone top rack for the win race one, just because he was absolutely phenomenal uh, there last year. And I also, you know, I, I can't doubt the Yamaha's ability, especially from what we've seen at Aragon. However, following that, I've gone Johnny Ray, followed by Alex Lowe's. Oh, interesting. So big varying in predictions so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, the Kawasaki still looks it's, so it is, dominant. It is, it is hard to bet against the Kawasaki, but I've done it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what have you gone for in the sprint race? More of the same? Similar. I've actually gone for another top rack win. Okay. Followed up by Johnny Ray. Right. So Kawasaki in, making the podium there. It is. And then in third place, I've gone Scott Redding. Okay, so two podiums for Scott there. Uh, yes. A good recovery from the weekend before. Yes. What about yourself? Are uh, you continuing I've with the Kawasaki's? Gone... Well, kind of. Uh, I've gone for the king of the sprint race. I've gone John to win. Ooh. I've gone second top rack. And third, a continuing uh, progression for both bike and rider, Michael van der Mark. Oh, that is interesting because I couldn't do Vandermark and I was thinking about it, but I just feel like it was more a mix of conditions more than maybe bike pace. 
which perhaps, was my only worry. Perhaps. I just think when he was on those slick tyres, I know we're talking about tyre choice, but the lap times he was putting in were really good. And I think he'd still... Like, the, the second race, I know there was a bit of tyre choice, but it was it was a bit drier. Um, I, I just, I just want to see what he's going to do. So, you know, that's my onion hanger for this one because my, my race two prediction is not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talking of race two. So first place I've gone to win all three races. Top rack. Okay. And then followed up by girl off in second. And then rounding off the podium, Chaz Davis. Oh, so someone different up there again. Yeah. A different Ducati rider to, to Scott Redding. I genuinely was it was a bit quiet then because I was like, it's for the first time ever we're going to pick the exact same podium. <laughs> because I've gone top rack to win. I've gone Garrett Gerloff second because I think data will filter down through Yamaha and he'll pick yep. up as the weekend goes on. But third, I've gone Johnny Ray. Oh, Neely. Neely. So I think oh. it'll be a, a good close weekend of racing again. Um, really, really looking forward to that one. Uh, can't can't uh, rule anybody out particularly, but I do think, well, p- me personally, you obviously not so much. I think the Kawasaki's <laughs> are going to be up there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we're quite varying in our predictions actually this week. Yeah. It could, could be a big point swing. Very much so. Well, hopefully in my favour, otherwise you would just be pulling <laughs> away. Talking of looking forward to, to the weekend's racing, finally a return to Mugello. And I don't know about you, but this is actually my favourite GP of the year. And I was so sad that they didn't get to go there last year. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I haven't actually, I don't think I've ever really given a thought which one is the favourite, but definitely... Up there, top of the list would be Mugello. It's, it's a great; it always provides great racing, and it's just it's just a fabulous event overall. Yeah, on my bucket list is to go to the Italian GP at Mugello because it just looks like the whole weekend is a festival, and yeah. like the the fans are so passionate. I mean, I, I remember in the sort of two thousand one early two thousands when it was Max Biaggi and Valentino Rossi going at it for the the last 500cc championship. And the fans had, had made like a Guy Fawkes on a pole of Max Biaggi. I was thinking, <laughs> Jesus, like, what's going to happen here? Uh, mental. Just like, a bit uh, like Le Mans, just a bit bit warmer and a slightly less mental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see the weather. Uh, as you sent me in a yeah. message earlier, looking like it's going to be really, really nice till race. <laughs> yeah which certainly would throw a spanner in the works, but there's still a bit of time before then, and you, you know what the weather's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never know. Who can trust a weatherman, eh? Exactly. <laughs> uh, a bit of news coming out of the MotoGP paddock, just before we uh, we move on to uh, race predictions. Um, very, very deserving news this week for Jack Miller. Yes, it is. He's secured a contract for next year on the factory Ducati. And we sort of umdenard about it. I wouldn't say we we wrote him off at all, but he he was struggling by his standards and his expectations in the first three rounds. But mm. I well, 
he's he's definitely surpassed that now. Yeah, and that was I think it's quite obvious now that it that was all down to the arm pump itself. Yeah, yeah, and a mistake at Estoril. We sorry, not Estoril, Portimao. We've got my mind on different Portuguese <laughs> tracks. Um, <laughs> just dropping that bike there after recovering from the arm pump surgery, mm. but back to back wins, and he's a Ducati boy through and through, isn't he, Jack Miller? Yeah, he, he just seems to be a perfect fit. It's a, uh, the factory Ducati in Australia always seems to go <laughs> quite well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, back with uh, Casey Stoner before he jumped onto the uh, the Repsol Honda. Um, but really good news and much deserved for, for Jack Miller to be there on the factory Ducati for next year as well. Yeah, and, and talking of arm pump, um, Alicia Spargro has had his arm pump surgery. Yes, so uh, as far as we know, recovering well. Uh, it be interesting to see how he gets on this weekend. Obviously, the two headliners, Jack Miller and Fabio Quattararo, having the arm pump surgery has is, is boded good results. Yes, so it's, it's, it, well, to be fair, it's a very, very common surgery nowadays in the bike racing. So you'd, you'd like to think it would go the majority of the time pretty good, but obviously... At the end of the day, you're still cutting your body open. So it's always yes. got that little risk of not going well. <laughs> exactly. Like Cal Crutchlow a few years yeah. ago um, with infections and all sorts. But <laughs> <laughs> Cal had very little luck, if we're wrong. Yeah. Sometimes if he didn't have bad luck, he'd have had no luck at all. Yeah. Um, but also, of course, Magello. It's not just the return of Magello, it's the return of the Italian passion and we're seeing that uh, with Luca Marini's VR46 Ducati in the MotoGP this weekend uh, with a lovely uh, tricolor Italian flag Ducati colour scheme on there. Yeah, the Skybikes always do a, a lovely Italian flag paint job for the Mugello race. It's a shame they don't run that paint job all year round because it is really, really nice. But I think like we discussed um, before and uh, on Marini's bike, I'm just, I don't like the way the blue runs through it. I don't think, they, obviously, I guess to do with Sky or Avinti or something, but I, w- I wish they didn't have to have that little like blue line running through the, the side yeah, of the bikes. It, it didn't. It didn't look as good as previous years, um, in my opinion. Like you say, the the little bit of blue, but we get to see it out on track and in person. We may have our minds swayed <laughs> yeah. as the weekend goes on. Yeah, uh, someone who isn't uh, running a special Magello colour scheme uh, or helmet this year, uh, Frankie Morbidelli. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, I saw about this earlier today. It really made me laugh. It just shows the type of guy he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Simon Patterson put on on Twitter um, that he was quoting Frankie Morbidelli as to why he hadn't had a, a special uh, Magello Italian helmet this year, and he said, uh, "I have to be honest. Basically, he, he forgot that Magello was right after Le Mans, <laughs> and it's such a, a Frankie chilled out response. I don't think anybody else could could come out with that kind of thing." Yeah, just just a very. He's not your typical MotoGP racer, which makes him even more likable. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, uh, moving to uh, predictions, we'll see if you've got Frankie in your home Italian podium so we get <laughs> onto the MotoGP. But starting with the Moto3 then, what's your Moto3 podium for this weekend? 
Um, it's so hard to bet against him. So for the win, I've gone Pedro Acosta. Oh, so sticking with the rookie after his first yeah. mistake, shall we say, at Le Mans, sliding off, but still finishing well within the points after sliding off. Yeah, um, Le Mans always a tricky race, and I'm not I'm not quite sure if he'd been there before. He may have been. I'm not sure, but it's always tricky. So yeah, I think we can let him off with that one. Yeah, who, how about second? Who have you got following him up? Second place, I've gone with someone that you've picked quite regularly this season and I've been quite impressed with him. And it is his home race. I've gone for Mina. So Mina over there. Well, interestingly enough, no spoilers uh, for mine exactly, <laughs> but it's the first weekend I've not picked him for a podium. So if he gets it now, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to come to your house and find where you're hiding that crystal ball. <laughs> Uh, what about third place in the Moto3? Third place. Um, he needs a good result, and I feel like he'll get it this week. It's Darren Binder. Okay, so really needing a bounce back after mm. uh, a few difficult weekends with uh, getting knocked off at the end of the Hereth Grand Prix and uh, then some bad luck sliding off uh, twice, was it, at Le Mans? Yeah. Uh, just, I think it was just the once, but he, was, he wasn't doing particularly well when he did slide off. Oh, but, yeah, that's right. He got tangled yeah. up with uh, Mino in turn Yeah, one, in the first he? one. Yeah, it slid off later in the race out of a, a lower position anyway. Mm. But I do feel like he's really, really good ability on the brakes. He's going to put him in good stead for this race. Oh, definitely. Moto 3 into turn 1. I can already <laughs> feel the anxiety coming through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, six wide. Oh, Everyone yeah. Breaking Minimum. It. Minimum, I'd say. And, and, then, you know, so, and, then you, and then you look at the laps and there's still 13 to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my podium is a little bit different to yours, again, uh, following our trend from our World Superbike picks. Um, first place, I've gone, going on the form from two years ago, where he had a good finish, <laughs> I've gone Jean. Oh, okay. He does need a good result. So I think this would be good for him. He does much like Darren Binder, uh, needs a, a good recovery weekend yeah. to get on pace for the picks we put out there at the beginning of the year for our championship. <laughs> yeah, I could really do with him picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second, I've gone along the same route as you, um, that he seems undeniable in terms of being able to score results, at least. Pedro Acosta, second for me. Okay. And who you got rounding off the podium? Rounding off the podium, I've also got a home podium finish for an Italian. However, it's not Mino. I've gone Niccolo Antonelli. Oh, I was actually going to do Mino Antonelli. But then I cha- for some reason, I changed my mind and went for Binder. Well, I, I think he's been on, you know, quietly good form this year has Antonelli not mm. sort of the the ragged edges we've seen uh when he was on the um 658 racing he had the pace uh in France but I was he looking was, at he his was results. first he was first by like like a second or so wasn't he, he was yeah then, coming out of the then, last corner yeah and then took a trip to the moon yeah yeah but he was he's sixth uh and third when we're out of the two two races in Qatar he had a sixth um at Portimao and an eighth uh, at Hereth. He's quiet staying around. He's he's fifth in the championship at the minute after, like you said, that non-finish 
um, at Le Mans. But quietly on form, quietly going into a good weekend. He do does have two Italians in front of him in the championship, one being Romano Fanati that we've not mentioned. <laughs> so, uh, But it'll be interesting to see if our picks come through on that one. What about your Moto2? What have you got for this one? So, Moto2... I've actually gone Remy Gardner for the win this week. Okay, yeah. Carrying on the form uh, that we've seen Remy go through that's put him into the championship lead in the Moto2. Exactly. He's been quietly, well, not quietly, he's just been very consistent all year and I think it's going to be what's going to pay off for him. I think I think he's got the pace to pick up a win and he's going to be followed up by an Italian. Your, your pick for the championship, Marco Bezzecchi. Good, yeah, I like to hear that. <laughs> First time I've picked him in the top three so far this season, I think. I believe so, yeah, yeah. And after... then, yeah, after, after we we say the tough start, it was fourth and fourth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then rounding off the podium, the rookie sensation Ralph Fernandez. So I've gone no Sam Lowe's. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a bit too desperate again. Oh well, that's that's very interesting because I've also left him off the podium too. Oh, for the same reason, or just as an, or just pace reason? I just uh, I think, like you said, I think he's going to be trying to push it too hard. Um, we've seen mistakes at two rounds with him trying to push too hard too early. Um, uh, just and and maybe you know the race we saw at Hereth, he he kind of damaged limitation coming through, looked a bit more settled and finished third. So he's either going to win it, bin it, or have a sensible ride and finish off the podium. I think I think those are <laughs> those are the options I'm going for for Sam this weekend. So I've gone to win my championship prediction, winning at home, Marco Bezzecchi. Oh, okay. I'm going with the uh, with the Italian theme. I, I hope that's. I hope his Sky team's also using the Italian colour scheme. They usually do, don't they? Yeah, they normally run it through. Well, when they're in Moto Three as well. Yeah. Uh, in previous years, they've run it there. Oh, talking of actually Moto Three, um, they've got a couple of wild cards coming in from the the CIV, Mo, the the VR46 CIV squad. They're both. Um, wild card in the Moto Three. Well, that could be very interesting to see. Will they be up there and causing chaos? I'm pretty sure as well. The the team manager's actually Pecco Bagnaia's dad. Oh wow! Okay, That's I saw little, I saw that somewhere. So, no, I'll have, I'll, we'll have to have a quick look and we'll we'll share it on the Twitter if it is true. <laughs> but I definitely I definitely remember seeing it somewhere. I'm not sure if it was team manager, but he's definitely in in the in the runnings of that team. Anyway, so oh, anyway, back, back to the Moto Two predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say one big VR forty six family, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Second, uh, I've gone Remy Gardner, still not uh, getting his first win of the season, uh, <laughs> getting another second place for Remy, but up there on the podium. Ah, so we've switched our first and second round. We who, have. Who, who have you yeah. got in third? Now this one, uh, I have hung some onions. I've gone. A rookie. No, not not <laughs> that badly. Um, 
But I've gone a rookie, as you had, and I've gone a rookie who has improved recently. It's not Ayagura, it's Tony Arbolino. Ooh, that is interesting. Last time we were here in 2019, he won the Moto3 race here. It's it's his home GP. He's coming off a a good piece of momentum with that uh, best place finish at Le Mans. Um, So I think he's, he's going to improve uh, on that fourth place last time out and go one step better and get on the podium. Uh, that, if I'm going to be honest, that's something I would love to see because we, we're both like Arbelina. You've, you've, like, I said, like I said before, you've always liked him. So it'll be nice to see him up there. Definitely, especially at home. Two Italians on the podium. It would oh. be absolutely fantastic. Uh, talking of home races, have we got any Italians on your MotoGP podium? I have. And in first place, he's not an Italian. It's another Australian. Jack Miller, three in a row. Well, that is uh, putting a lot of faith in the newly signed uh, for 2022 Ducati man. Yes. And followed up by his teammate and the Italian, Pecco Bagnaia. There's going to be a factory Ducati one-two. Right, okay. Are you going for, like me, with the Le Mans podium and rounding out with another one? <laughs> and rounding out the podium is going to be... It's going to be a Frenchman, but it's going to be Fabio Cotteraro. <laughs> right, okay. I was going to say, if we have an all-Ducati podium in Italy, there might actually be riots. <laughs> I don't think there's any fans, is there? No, but they can riot in the streets. I was going to say, they might might be able to break in (laughs) if that's the case. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I have gone for a home Italian win on an Italian bike. I have gone Pecco Bagnaia to win. It was was a coin toss for me between Miller and Bagnaia, but I just feel like Miller's now got that contract secured. He's got the back-to-back race wins. He's on a high. I I feel he's just going to carry that momentum. Oh, so he's not going the uh, Daniello Petrucci route of he's won one, he's got his contract, now he's going to go to sleep for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, I mean, I really hope not, because seeing Jack Miller celebrate and get on the podium is something else. Um, second place, I have still not gone Jack Miller. I've gone the Frenchman. I've gone Fabio Quattararo on the best all-round bike on the grid at the minute, the Yamaha. Oh, I just, I just, I couldn't pick him up because I thought it was going to be so close between Miller and Bagnar. I just couldn't see him doing anything enough on the straights, if you get what I mean. I just felt like the Catties are going to have a bit too much on him. Well, last year he managed to qualify, uh, not last year, last time we were at Magenta, 2019, um, his first year in the class, he qualified second on the grid. He didn't finish uh, particularly well. He finished in, 14th, uh, I think. Yes. Yeah, he d- he didn't finish well in that race. Um, however, the the difference in him that we are seeing, apart from that one arm pump destroyed race uh, at Herre, I'm, I'm not taking him off the podium. I'll go Fabio second. Okay. And then rounding off the podium? Rounding off the podium... I'm going a man who has showed some form at this track back in 2019. He finished fifth in 2019, but he's going to make the final leap onto the podium for Honda. 
Taka Nakagami. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Would love it if that happened. So you've gone a one Ducati podium. I have, yeah. I've gone uh, three different manufacturers, three different nationalities. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a real good podium. Wow. It, well, it's definitely going to be a good weekend of racing. In a way, Talking... I really do hope it's dry. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, talking of home manufacturers, not Ducati, where are you putting your Aprilia this week, James? Eh, probably about eighth. Eighth. And we're talking a leaf? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Eighth, not uh, getting any closer to that uh, podium finish for Aprilia this time, then. If it is a wet race... Where do you think Petrucci will finish? Ooh. He showed good I pace think... in the wet last, he, last weekend. He did. He did. Ooh. <laughs> this is a tough one. He does like the wet. He's he run around like. here before, <laughs> obviously, on a, on a better bike. I don't think he's going to improve on his Le Mans finish. I think there'll be some stronger riders... Uh, it's not the grease track that is Le Mans. I think he'll finish seventh if it's wet. Mm. And he probably will have the disadvantage of, because the qualifying will be drive starting lower down on the grid as well. Yeah, yeah. I have got an interesting prediction for you, Dave. So yeah. for Pramac, uh, we've still not got Jorge Martin back after those terrible injuries uh, from the crash at Portimao. Michele yeah. Pirro... Ducati test rider standing in. Yep. I am going to predict that Michele Pirro is going to beat Johan Zarco in the race. Ooh, that is a bold prediction. That's very bold. I can't well, see it happening myself. But I'm just, I'm just thinking. He, that... he, is, he is good at Michelo, because obviously he, he, I think he knows it pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His wild card ride, he finished seventh. Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit of something to to uh, keep an eye on. I do like Michele Pirro um, so, when he when he comes in. He's not one of those test riders that just bundles around at the back. Him and uh, Stefan Bradl really do, you know, put some race time in, especially when, like, Stefan Bradl was allowed to stop testing stuff and actually <laughs> race. And, uh, but, yeah, I'm putting that one out there. Michele mm. Pirro is going to beat Johan Zarco. And I'll never forget that crash he had at Magello on the was it on the front tire locked going into the first corner. Oh my gosh! Yeah, how oh. how he got away with that one? Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Um, but it's it's going to be an absolutely action packed uh, weekend. So we'll we'll come to you uh, next week with our uh, review of both the uh, the MotoGP from Magello, the World Superbike. Uh, coming to you from Estoril. Uh, and then we'll be looking towards the MotoGP again the following weekend at uh, Catalonia, I believe. Yeah, it's starting to come thick and fast now, these races. Yeah, just wait till the BSB starts as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lots of predictions. Well, as we uh, move on from that, uh, those predictions and into this fantastic weekend of racing that's all we've got time for this week um, I can't wait to see these races and we'll be back as I say next week with the reviews yeah it's going to be a great week I can't wait wait for it either 
and you can see what we're going to be talking about and keep up to date with the race weekends themselves via our social media. So we've got our Twitter, which is at FTGT Podcast, and our Facebook, which is from the Gravel Trap Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.